Welcome to a football show live from Radio Row here at SEC Media Days. Brought to you, of course, by Singers Beverages and the Kingston Group. D. Good already in the comment section before the show even started. That is very, very impressive. D. Good, welcome to the show. Zach, how are you, sir? Good to see you, man. Doing good. I mean, the storm, I don't know what it's like down in Nashville right now, but the storm that came through Hendersonville was in insane i mean i was like when you said let's push it to 130 it's like oh thank god because the <laughs> well, lights were flickering and everything and it was like it was really bad well that's it's been crazy storms all all week so hope everybody's safe of course and uh things are starting to clear out down here uh of course all 14 teams have gone so we'll sort of try to dive into all the, the big headlines from across um across the conference but we got some titan stuff as well we actually had a chance to talk to some kentucky players yesterday you're going to hear from eli cox offensive lineman he had a, answered a bunch of questions from Nashville media about Will Levis, what makes him a great teammate, what makes him so tough, all this great stuff. So you get some Will Levis talk. Uh, and part of the reason we were late was that the Tennessee players were, were coming in right at about 12.50, 1 o'clock. I wanted to hear uh, what Joe Milton had to say. You're going to hear some of that on the show today. I had a chance to talk to Amari Thomas as well. Uh, that one you're going to have to wait for uh, or check out the YouTube page and social accounts. He had a full minute-long answer, uh, which is long for a player, uh, about – Josh Heupel's communication style and how he's turned it into a family atmosphere. So um, lots of stuff to do today on he's the show. Josh. Yeah. You, coach, coach dad. Coach dad. That's right. <laughs> Sinkers beverages, of course, in East Nashville, sign up for the in crowd, really cool access to, to all kinds of allocations, uh, special allocations, testing, uh, taste, testings, tastings, uh, and maybe some testings, who knows? Uh, and, and of course, uh, opportunities to, to be a part of some special events. We're going to have our barrel pick uh, coming up in a little bit. So make sure you join the in crowd. They always take care of you over there at Sinkers and Bluegrass Beverages up in Hendersonville as well. The Kingston Group, buildkg.com. You guys know the name. Just have a conversation with them. Just talk with them. Uh, just, just before you make any big decisions about your house, just, just have a conversation. So uh, other than that, I say we uh, get off and running here. Sinkers and Kingston Group, uh, stackingtheinbox.com as well. Uh, I'm sure we've had a love. I have not been on Twitter most of this week, Zach, so I'm assuming – it was just filled with perfectly normal DeAndre Hopkins takes for the entire week, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I think for the most part, I mean, you have, is he underpaid, overpaid, or paid just the right amount with no contract details whatsoever. So right. that's a great topic to have. And then I've seen today that uh, not enough people are talking about how this helps the Titans defensive backs. And I'm thinking, I think you're giving way too much credit to what actually goes on in practice and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, prob- probably true. Probably <laughs> true. Uh, so we'll, we'll touch on that again. I, I think because it was in Nashville, because there was a lot of Nashville media here at, at the event, and when Kentucky came through, every player got asked about Will Levis. So we will have some Will Levis talk for you Titans fans coming up a little bit later on. But this is largely by that, that you guys do not want to ask questions about them, that they're like, it's sorry. <laughs> sorry. You, we don't care about Kentucky football. We only care about Will Levis. So here's the great, it's a great question. Cause I got the feeling. So when I asked Eli Cox, I was like the third in a row question about Will Levis, which is yeah. an offensive lineman for, for Kentucky. And I'll let you guys, when we play that for you later, I'll let you guys decide, does it look like he's ready to be done talking about <laughs> Will Levis or not? No, look, they have plenty of time to talk about Kentucky. So, but we, and you kind of start the conversation by saying, look, we're here in Nashville. Will Levis got drafted here in Nashville. You know, what are your thoughts? Everything's kind of fair game. One guy, seriously, this is a true story. One guy has gone to every single player, I believe and asked if a hot dog is a sandwich to every single player. Like, he, who assigned him that job? That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard of. 
Who it signed him for that job? Through Barstool Sports or something? I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of listen. SEC lets everyone in. Okay, yeah. <laughs> they let they let everyone in. Every, Not everybody. everyone. I know. What, I know like two or three people who applied that didn't get it. Oh, that's crazy. Um, yeah. I can't imagine. So, um, we'll we'll see. When is he officially going to sign? Yeah, that's a good good question by Aving there. Uh, Stony didn't get allowed by the SEC. That's where they draw the line. I wasn't going to call him out. Stony Stony was bitching. He wasn't really bitching about it, but he's just like, how come I can't get into the SEC media days? I mean, he's like, I probably wouldn't have gone, but, you know, it's just the principle (laughs) of the thing. They draw the line at Stony Keely. Yeah, That's Stoney it. Uh, rate, review, and subscribe. Sinker's Beverages, Kingston Group, stacking the inbox. Uh, okay, so I, I think the number one takeaway, and you can see it right there on, on the on the headline there, it's about to be awesome. I, I think there are so many, if, if it's just football, we can get to all the talking season stuff and the coaches, and you can ask questions, Zach, and you know, feel free to pepper me with whatever you want to know. Uh, you know, Lane Kiffin was interesting on Thursday morning. He said he kind of went after NIL, but like, Basically, it was a very calm week from the coaching standpoint, which to me got me excited about football because when I talk to people around here, I talk to former players, I talk to coaches and, and players like it. It is a completely bonkers year in the SEC, potentially. No one's ever three peated. Georgia's going to try to do that. There, it's, it's genuinely split 50 50 on Bama and LSU and people on both sides make great cases. Very few people are convicted on who to pick. And as we've talked on the show from four to 13 it is a wide open conference every single team can beat every other team and even Vanderbilt I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't finish last in the east so like that's how crazy this year is going to be I think the football on the field is going to be the best we've seen super dramatic it's going to be a ton of fun can't wait what did you think about the extensions for that were announced for uh Clark Lee Vanderbilt's football coach what did you think about that is that too early feels like it's a little too early I, well, what I think, first of all, extensions are in college football. Extensions are not worth the paper they're printed on in theory. It's good for recruiting. It's good for a press release. It's good to gain some headlines, especially on a day where he comes up and is largely a robot talking about his his you know his depth chart. I think it's the right I – don't, I don't have a problem with it. He showed clear progress. His team plays really, really hard. They're going through this massive renovation. A big part of you know his speech on, on Tuesday was about construction and rebuilding – and, and the analogy between Nashville's growth and West End and the stadium's construction and his program. And, and that, I think, is, is all, you know, Candace Lee and, and the whole athletic department saying, look, we believe in you. We're going to give you some, some, again, extensions are like a good press release and a good press conference and a good talking point. Not a whole lot more than that. Uh, but I think there's clear growth. I mean, they, want, they beat Kentucky and Florida last year, and this team's, his team plays hard as hell. So I, I think they're going to be even better this year. I don't know if that means more wins. But I'm okay with the extension because it's just a sign of force and, and helps him on the recruiting trail. I mean, I, I just thought that was a little interesting. But, I mean, your notes say that essentially this year is going to be even better than last year. And last year was crazy in its own way. It was exciting. It was new. Yeah. It felt like that anything could happen any given Saturday. And I'm with you. I mean, there's a lot of intrigue because last year is like, okay, there's Bryce Young, there's Stetson Bennett, there's all these established quarterbacks, established teams, established players. Now it's like, what does year two of some of these coaches look like? What can Vanderbilt do? Who are going to be quarterbacks for some of these teams that haven't been like firmly set? Can UT you know, keep the momentum going. I mean, just so many, so many storylines just intertwine. Yeah. And so much waiting to jump in. 
Yeah, and that's a that's another really big storyline here at, at the hotel is how much everyone is talking about Texas and Oklahoma. I mean, the Aggies were asked about it. You know, the players were asked about it. Everybody's asked. Every quarterback is asked about it. You know, Missouri's asked about it because they used to be in the Big 12. I mean, everybody is talking about next year. that This event's going to be in Dallas next year. It's going to be 12-team 12 12 expansion in the playoff. It's going to be no divisions. Like, it's a, it's a pretty huge historical season in the SEC. It's the last of its kind. It's the last of divisions. It's the last with 14 teams. It's the last one without a 12-team playoff. It's a really historic season. And I think if you look at the win totals, outside of, you know, again, Georgia, LSU, Bama, and maybe Vanderbilt, and I think Florida at like four and a half and five and a half, I think everybody else's win totals within like a game and a half of each other. It's six and a half to seven to seven and a half. I think Tennessee's might be a little higher. I think it was at like nine and a half, but it's been bought down. I, I think that speaks to every single game, every Saturday, you, you give me two teams, and I guarantee you it's like within a touchdown spread, and it's a one-score game in the fourth quarter. Like Ole Miss, Arkansas, Kentucky, Tennessee, Tennessee, Texas A&M, A&M, Auburn. Like you name it, I I think it's going to be dramatic and close and interesting, and no one has a clue. Like we we th- this week we think we've come up with who we like in that top tier, kind of challenging the best, but like we're all kind of guessing at this point. What people seem to be pretty high on Texas A&M, Kentucky, but I want to I want to start off with Kentucky real quick, just because what's the vibe like? They got a new quarterback, a, a high profile transfer comes in. They got Liam Cohen back in the saddle. I mean, what's the expectations or the buzz around Kentucky that seems to have people so high on them? It's the it's sleeper buzz. It's not like they're going to be good buzz the way people kind of talk about LSU and and some to some extent. I think Texas A&M is kind of getting like they have the best player buzz, the best players buzz of that group. But I think Kentucky is like the football nerd sleeper pick. Like when I talk to Cole Kublik, when I talk to Andy Staples, when like guys that I think have done this a long time and I trust when I go, who do you like that no one's talking about? Almost everyone's saying Kentucky, which number one makes me nervous because I agree with them and that's bad that we all agree. Normally that's a bad Does thing. Does that never work out for you guys? It's not, it's not good. It's not, well, whenever I don't like herd mentality, right? Like I yeah. don't like group, th- I don't like group think um, in general. Sometimes it means we're right rarely, but I, I think because Mark Stoops has 10 years of established program identity and culture, the defense is going to be really good. They've got a freshman all American coming back and Deion Walker. Like they're really good on defense. They're going to be better on the offensive line than they were last year. They cannot be worse. Devin Leary was they were they were NC State was throwing a Heisman Trophy preseason campaign for Devin Leary last year. Like this is not some scrub. 35 touchdowns, five picks two years ago. Like he got hurt last year. Liam Cohen is the best off. He ran the best offense in Kentucky that they've ever had. Um, so I, I think what's interesting, Tim says Kentucky's been a sleeper pick for three years in a row now. They won 10 games two years ago. <laughs> he, he's just mad because Auburn's taken dirt nap for the last four or five years. Well, and here, the, so here's another thing. Like, and I think part of why it's going to be awesome and dramatic is every single one of these teams is excited. Auburn fans are more excited about their team than Alabama fans are. You They're not so? better. They're not better. But if you ask an okay, so Alabama fans are this like, is yeah, why we're going- I think Alabama's going to win it all because, I, dude, I mean, I'm with, dude, I'm with you. I'm with it's you. Just, I, I'm- it's just too much bulletin board material. There's not enough usual buzz, and that's when Nick Saban sneaks in and does yep. something crazy yep. and rattles off an undefeated season and blows <laughs> and blows some assholes out of the water. I mean, that's just what he does. Well, I want to get to Bama because I don't know if you've got yeah. like a little graphic for us or not because I want to get to Bama in a second. But with, to Tim's point and to your – like wh- Alabama fans are like, yeah, we're going to win the Natty. We're really good. But like there's an undercurrent of like, 
but who is going to be the quarterback? Like, can they win on the road? Like, can we beat Georgia? Is Georgia better than us? Auburn fans are like, we're going to be, we got fucking heat freeze, man. <laughs> like they're just, they're just excited. Like they're just, they're just super pumped up, super fired up. It's going to be great. Like they don't, it doesn't matter. Like they're not expecting to win nine games, but they're going to be more fun. They're going to be more competitive. They're going to be interesting. And old baby Billy's recruiting. So like it, Auburn fans are way more excited about Auburn football than Alabama fans are. But that doesn't mean Alabama's not going to win the Natty or win the West or or whatever. Does uh, so this Texas A and M stuff? I mean, Jimbo Fisher's talking. He doesn't really come out and say, you know, who's calling the plays and all that kind of stuff. And that typically, and you and I brought that to you, and you you said that that was really a non-story. The only reason I brought it up because I saw several people kind of point out that, like, why is he letting this linger out in the air? <laughs> that is, you know. A- it's a very good question. Because that's a Jimbo that, – that seems like um, – you know when the Titans decided they weren't going to have a defensive coordinator, but they never really came out and said they had a defensive that's, coordinator, and they, but everybody kind of assumed it was Shane Bowen anyway. Yeah, but it's that's close. Faster because none of the players knew who to listen to, and maybe <laughs> it's not the same thing in college football. It's like there's your big papa is Jimbo Fisher. But it just feels like he just – Jimbo Fisher, every time he steps in front of a microphone – does himself no favors yeah he he and my you know my wife would probably uh, uh, agree that some people just don't know how to shut their mouth sometimes like we just keep talking and we get ourselves in trouble even though we don't mean some of the things we're saying Uh, i think fisher when he said that was just talking and then all of a sudden he just kept going and then he realized he like he just used the wrong word hopefully he's gonna call like jim bobby petrino is gonna call plays that that is I've, I've been told that a number of times by a number of people in college station bobby p is calling plays the question is and 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 frankly there's a lot of people that are in the kitchen making the offense go there's a lot of different voices they get they've had they have four different people on that staff that have been former power five coordinators they've got a lot of a lot of brain power in there the question is organizing it keeping it streamlined to your point about the titans it's exactly right like is it all bobby p's voice that has final say on things or is Jimbo Fisher trying to get involved too much? Like in the third quarter, they're not playing well. All of a sudden Jimbo Fisher's involved, right? Like it, otherwise when you look at the sec and you go Tennessee, Kentucky, South Carolina, Florida, Missouri, Arkansas, Ole Miss, A&M, Auburn, Mississippi state, Texas A&M has the best players. Cl- like not even close. Texas A&M has the best players in that giant group of middle pack teams that are all basically the same. So if Bobby, Pre- Bobby P is in control and Jimbo gets out of the way, I think people believe in that offense and believe in A&M because of the talent, because of the five, the blue chip rule and the fact that they just have better athletes at almost every position than all of these other teams we're talking about, minus the top three, of course. So let's let's talk about the top teams because you sent the basically that everybody you asked, the SEC West is all tied up. Now, this was this was this morning. Have you been able to find a tie-breaking vote somewhere in the building? Because no. Are you surprised that everybody is kind of torn and split or were you expecting everybody to be on Alabama or were you kind of expecting all these SEC football nerds to be like, oh, it's the trendy pick is going to be LSU? So I I think we've said it on the show before. I expected it to be close to 50-50 when the vote is finally announced. And I'm like, I'm checking email right now to see if like if it's been announced or not, because we had to submit our ballots by this morning. And I would be surprised if it's not very, very close. What I was surprised with was anyone who was convicted in their pick. 
Meaning, like, I, I talked to, and again, you can get to this on, on YouTube if you wanted to go check. Like, Cole Kublik on Monday was one of the first guys who was like, oh, it's definitely LSU. And my surprise to that was not that he's picking LSU. Smart pick. It's that he was so clearly and forcefully behind it. I have come to Alabama. Uh, we picked Alabama at Athlon Sports back in April and May when we put the magazine out. I have sort of like uh, I'm a little uh, surprised because you've been on the LSU bandwagon these last few episodes when we've when we've talked. I know, to I know. I have I have flirted. Yeah. I have flirted with my Cajun friend. It was it was a it was a heavy heavy flirt. It was like was, you're you're too you bought you <laughs> bought LSU like two or three drinks and you're about to close yeah, yeah, oh, the yeah. deal. And then I guess now you've seen a prettier girl at the bar and you're like, well, I got to figure out a way to get out of this one. Yeah, carrot cake will do that to you. Um, yeah. uh, no, it's. Here's the the truth is is I just I still have them like four and five in the country. Gotcha. Like I, I still think they're basically even. The game is in Tuscaloosa, and the cake reference that everyone's talking about on on Twitter is because Nick Saban was using a, an analogy. Is that what about, pushed it over for you? The carrot no, cake? <laughs> not at all. Because it, it, we'll get to cakes in a second. Because cheesecake is not a cake. But um, what's interesting is when that game comes around was his point. The quarterback room is not fully formed yet. We don't know what it's going to look like. And and Brian Kelly on Monday said this. We are not there yet from a depth standpoint to win the national championship. And what have I been saying all summer? Is LSU mature enough 1-85 to to handle the rigors of a 12-game schedule to go 11-1 or 12-0 and also beat Georgia? Can they do that? And I don't. I think they're going to be very, very good. I think they're 10-2. I think they lose to Alabama, and that's the difference. Alabama beats them at home, wins the division, goes to Atlanta and then we find out if the bake if the cake has been baked or not because at that point then you find out Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson, Tyler Buckner, doesn't matter who it is, they're going to have to make plays against Georgia to win that game in Atlanta the way Bryce Young did 2 years ago and if the cake isn't baked they're they're fucked Georgia wins end of discussion. If it is, then we got ourselves a 50-50 game in Atlanta and then I don't know what's going to happen, but I would but I would take Bama at home over LSU. So I've come around to to I was kind of waffling all summer, and I'm, I'm I picked Bama when I submitted my ballot this morning. I am on Bama to win the West, but I, I my question is more about what's their path to the playoff, right? Because to lose to Georgia and still get into the playoff means they'd have to probably go 12 and 0, and I don't know if they're that good. So I think they lose to AM, they go 11 and 1, and then they play Georgia, and I think they lose to Georgia, and it, that's where I'm like, I don't know if you can get into the playoff at 11 and 2. LSU 10 and two. I think they're probably maybe five and six in the country and the committee may put in somebody that's not as good, but you know, as a one loss champion, Florida state or USC or, you know, whatever second, second place, one loss team, like last year, Ohio state, for example. So roll tide. Yeah. I, I'm a little <laughs> surprised. I'm a little shocked uh, that you, that you did decide to come around on that. I thought for sure you were going to be like, I I'm voting LSU. You know, I just, you know, I talked to a bunch of people this week and, I just figured you're, you're, you had your mind, I feel like, made up. And I like to hear that you were at least open to change. So that, so that was good. I, I, I just, yeah, it's basically like I came to the bar. I came to the party with the girl that I thought was going to, you know, was my girl. I kind of like wandered around the room a little bit. And then I just kind of still left with the girl that I brought to the party. Because, again, yeah. we, picked, we picked Bama back in April. And I've, to, I've, I've wandered a bit, but I'm, I, I just... I think 185, they're better. I think Saban's better. I think, to your point, they are extra motivated. They feel like Georgia being the national champion and the clear-cut number one pick to win the SEC is disrespectful, and they're going to play that card the way Georgia did last year, and I think that's that's what helps 
get them over the top. I, I think they lose to AM uh, on the road, and I think they beat everybody else. I think they beat everybody else, they lose to AM, and then they beat everybody else. I think they're going undefeated, Braden. I, ha- I haven't really locked that in, but I kind of have a feeling okay. this year's like they're just take the over ten. Take the over ten and a half. Then I think you yeah. can still get it. You can still get it now. So the um, basically, I, w- I want to talk about next is kind of like a catch-all. It's kind of like what was wasn't said among everybody because you know we kind of alluded to that uh, or we talked about uh, Jimbo Fisher not saying anything about you know play calling essentially but like he could just by the way to to your to that point he could just said yes yes right he didn't have to talk he could have just said yes by calling place yeah um so you guys are in this room and it looks like a pretty big room a big auditorium you got this the coaches up there you know at the podium speaking i've seen a lot of people complain that that are there about no one asking questions that people should be asking. And I'm thinking, why you're there? Why aren't you the one asking these questions? You know, questions about NIL or questions about um, the Georgia stuff that's going on, talking about hazing, all these kinds of different topics that could be floated out there and uh, talked about or asked. And I'm just kind of wondering, did you get that sense? Did you get sense that there was a lot of meat left on the bones in terms of what could be asked to these coaches and players? It's it's tough. So, like, the Georgia story, of course, I mean, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution retracted the story and fired their editor. So, like, the day that Kirby Smart went. So nobody was going to ask about the, the sort of the, the, the stuff that was floated by the AJC because clearly that was a huge mistake. And, and again, somebody lost their job because of it, which is a big – that's a really big deal. Um, the players were asked and he was asked about the speeding thing, but it only happens like once it's the NIL was asked about a lot. Um, but it's just not like when when you're in the big press room like that, it's not the, it's hard. It's, it's hard to explain. Like it's not the, the forum to get into some really controversial complex topics. It is largely a kickoff event for media from all over the region to sort of come in and like, Ask their kind of hey, let's like my complaint is not about the the content of the questions. My complaint is how people ask the questions. Talk about talk about Shane Beamer was the what he got it the worst. I feel bad for Shane Beamer today on Thursday. Almost every question was talk about, which is not a question. (laughs) It's It's a demand. It drives me absolutely bonkers. You could just say like. You know, explain why practice is is so hard for you. You know, like it's not hard to say. Talk about practice. Like it's just you could just just phrase it in the form of a freaking question. That that drives me insane. Um, Hugh Freeze wasn't asked anything about sort of his off the field stuff. I don't know if that's the time or the place for it. It's more about time or place. You're in this huge setting. There's only so many questions, and and people are all having to write stories from like their editors have assigned them things from around the region and. Like I sit next to Teresa Walker, uh, you know, from the AP and like she gets a, a marching orders from a boss who says, like, this is the story we're doing. Ask this question about this. And it's like then that's why she asked about the portal and about NIL and about these very specific things on on day one with Sankey. We were all together, you know, Corey Curtis and me and Teresa and, and actually Adam Bingen was here and we're all sitting around going like, well, we need to ask about the SEC championship game coming to Nashville. Who's going to do it? So there's even some of that where you're working together to get, and Corey Curtis got one of the first questions and, and asked about it. So I, I think, um, I don't think there's a time and a place. I think this is sort of a, it's supposed to be sort of a rah rah cheerleader event. 
when you get into the one-on-ones is when you can actually sit down, look somebody in the eyes and say like, hey, what are you actually doing about the speeding, Kirby? In the big room, you said you're trying to address it. What does that actually mean? Like you have to have times for follow-ups and gotcha. stuff. So, uh, But just don't say – if for anybody out there that does this or wants to do it or has – just talk about it is not a question. It's just not a fucking question. Um, so the NIL, obviously, still you talked about it earlier. It's kind of a tired topic, but still a pretty big issue for the conference and stuff. And I guess there's a lot of state laws and all this stuff that goes into NIL. Is that what the, these notes mean? And um, yes. So yes. and Sankey clearly hates. That. But <laughs> yes. I find it interesting. Though, uh, actually, today when we were talking about this, my dad ended up selling a truck to a college player who just signed with a college. Um, $300,000 NIL deal, but a $60,000 signing bonus. I mean, that's just, it's wild. And it's, 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 it's it's crazy what they're getting paid. And it's a really nice truck the guy's buying. Uh, (laughs) But I just, you know, go into the the state laws and why coaches love them, but Sankey hates them. So, Sankey hates him because he can't control it. Um, NIL is when people say wow, wow, West, it's because the states have taken the lead and formed their own laws. Some of them are far more restrictive. Some of them are far less restrictive. Missouri, for example, was one of the like the, the most wide open laws in, in all of the country. And Eli Drinkowitz, the Missouri coach, clearly is going to use it to his advantage, clearly has used it to his advantage, and clearly Greg Sankey hates it because <laughs> it's different than Texas and Arkansas and Tennessee and Georgia and Florida. They're all different. Kentucky has one of the more restrictive NIL laws as a state, and some of that's Kentucky's fault. And so what Greg Sankey says is because the state laws supersede the NCAA, supersede the SEC, the only bo- governing body that can supersede the states is Congress. And, well... Good luck with that. <laughs> so say, what's funny is just watching the forces come together. That's what's funny. Like Greg Sankey is basically begging Congress to put in place a uniform law across the country. The states are like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> we're going to do whatever we want. And so the coaches are like, well, as long as they're doing whatever they want, like I guess we're just going to let them do it so we can just cheat and pay for play. Lane Kiffin is, was, was basically like, dude, this is – it's pay for play. Like he, he was the one who kind of pulled no punches and just said, this is insane. This is nuts. It's pay for play. Um, again, not nothing revolutionary, but he was the most overt about like, this is not this. We got to fix this. Uh, and he's used, tell, the, tell and he's used the portal. He get his fan base to quit spending so much money on chandeliers to hang in their <laughs> little tailgate tents and spend some, give them some money well, for the, for NIL. But they're talking out of both sides of their mouth, right? Because they can say like, Hey, we prefer uniform, and this is where Kiffin was actually probably the most honest about this, where he just said, look, like, I, this is part of the, the game. Like, I'm all for a collectively bargained, you know, standardized revenue sharing agreement. But, like, that doesn't stop them from going out and getting name, image, and likeness money on top of that. Like, he, 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 he's, he's spoken the most sophisticatedly about the issue. The, the bottom line is, is that it, when I – and I had a couple other conversations about the playoff expanding and – Nashville potentially getting a national championship game and some other things where almost every single time we talk about one of these rules, it leads me more and more to believe that a 40 or 50 team breakaway is coming in the 2030s because they just can't regulate this stuff. There's no way to regulate the bowl system, the playoff system, name, image, and likeness, the portal, until there is a singular NFL-style governing body with a singular commissioner 
that makes the decisions for everybody. And until that happens, it's going to be crazy like this. And, you know, <laughs> Sankey's up there going like, man, like, come on, guys. Like, let's all have the same laws. But, like, the states are saying, screw you. Like, whatever. We don't have to follow your rules. We don't. Eli Drinkwitz, the head, I've, I've been coming to this since 2007, Zach. I've been coming for fit, over 15 years. I have never heard an SEC football coach thank the speaker of his state house. Eli Drinkowitz was like thanking the speaker of the Missouri state legislative body. He was saying, I want to thank so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so for, <laughs> for helping with our NIL state laws. And I'm like, you didn't, he barely even remember the guy's name. Like he, he had to like think about it for a second while he was thanking him. And I'm like, this is, I've never seen this before. So it, listen, the, the kids are getting paid. What, what are we going to do? Like, I'm right. still going to love every game on Saturday. Like, it's not going to change my enjoyment. So, the, um, you know, we're kind of a week late, <laughs> but the, we, the volunteers, oh, yeah. yeah, no penalties. And I, and I think that was probably the correct way to do it. Why punish a new regime for the old regime's, you know, faults? Um, were you surprised that the SEC kind of didn't give any sanctions? Because I wasn't totally surprised, uh, but there was a little bit of shock. I no, guess. Josh Heibel to Josh Heibel today was very clear on on how much he appreciated it. So, whatever whatever the exact stuff was, eight million dollars and a bunch of other things, it is very clear that they do not that they're they were ecstatic with the decision. Right, they're super happy with it, ecstatic with the decision. Um, I think the, the issue is, is if you hammered them really hard, you would be setting a precedent to not cooperate with the NCAA. That's the important thing here is Tennessee sort of like, because of, they were trying to get Jeremy Pruitt fired for cause that they just agreed with everything and, and went along with everything and cooperated with everything and turned over everything. And they, they were like a good witness. Right. And the NCAA has long always treated those people better than the ones who try to cover things up and try to lie. And so if you were to come back over and hammer a, a school and an organization that has been open and honest with you and fired the guys that were in charge, like it, it sets a really bad look and precedent in my opinion. So I, I think it's, it was, it was probably about right. Um, I think fans of other teams are probably like, no, wait a second. Hang on. You guys did all this stuff. Some of which is very funny, by the way, <laughs> if, you, if you read some of it. Um, like code names for like parking spots and stuff like it, if you, it was very brazen and if tennis and here's the thing, if the coach in question had been a very good coach, Tennessee might've handled it differently and we might be having a very different conversation right now, but they didn't like him. They wanted him gone. So they cooperated, fired him with cause. There we go. As, I'm, like as I'm, as I'm sitting next to the Tennessee football players right here, who all were recruited by Jeremy Pruitt. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, they're probably a lot happier, though, right? Yeah, yes. I mean, oh, no, no, true story. And actually, uh, uh, Amari Thomas is sitting right here, and I had a chance to ask him about, like, why is jo – I'm fascinated by – and I know we weren't planning on talking about this, but this is one of the things that I noticed the last two years with the new coaches that have come in, that they're just guys. They're just guys. Like, Josh Heupel's just – you call him Coach Dad. Like, he's just a guy. Sam Pittman is just a guy. Shane Beamer, just a guy. These guys are very honest. They're very sort of, they're not coach speaky. They're not robots. They're very just sort of like, just, just dudes. And, and Amari, who's like literally five feet from me here. Um, he is, he, he gave me a, a great answer about, look, we see Josh Heupel outside of the football program, outside of campus 
walking around Knoxville and we see him and we talk to him. He stops and talks to us for 10 or 15 minutes every time we see him and football never comes up and because we know he cares about us and we care about him. And so it's a real family. And so it's all about communication and it's about cooperation and it's about trust. And it's very clearly that's why it works in South Carolina. That's why it works at Kentucky. That's why it works at Tennessee. Like they, they've built a really it's, it's very real fabric in there. I don't know if that means they can beat Alabama on the road this year. Like, I don't know. Like, I doubt it. Uh, who knows? But the reason it's worked is because there's trust, there's communication, and it feels like they're together. And that clearly was not the case with the previous regime. Have you have you told Amari Thomas or anybody that we call him Coach Dad, and maybe we can get that to be a thing, Coach Dad or uh, Youth Pastor Josh? I, I'm certainly not going to go with the youth pastor, Josh, okay. but coach dad, I think, I think we could get coach dad to work. Um, Never know, put it on a shirt, put it on a hat before Co- it's over. Coach dad, Co- coach uncle. I don't know. Coach dad's not bad. I think coach dad's pretty good. We could, yeah, we, coach I, dad's think we could good. I think we could, I'm, we might, that one I'm not as again in the big room, not going to do that. Yeah. You see him in a hallway, you kind of pop by and you say, Hey man, what do you think? What do you think about nickname for Josh? Like you think we should call yeah. him coach dad. And they're like, coach Oh, I dad. like that. Like that. Yeah. Then that works. So yeah. I like it. I think we okay. need to get it started. Well, it's your it's your thing, so it's all good. Yeah. The um, do you so since we're on the topic of the volunteers, before we get to Joe Milton's clip, do you want to do uh, ad read real quick? Oh yeah, well, do we want to talk about sinkers and Kingston Group. Yeah. yeah, I like how you're running the show here, uh, Zach. I'm very distracted. Right, I'm very distracted uh, right now. Uh, no, sinkers beverages, of course, in East Nashville, Bluegrass up in Hendersonville, proud sponsor of the Football and Other Efforts podcast. You can catch right here on the YouTube page of 440 Sports. Uh, go go into the store. Sign up for the in-crowd. They'll give you great opportunities for great allocation, uh, killer bourbon selection, killer wine selection, great, huge, giant beer freezer, uh, beer fridge. You can go in there and pick out all, all different types of beer. So great selection, knowledgeable staff, very kind. Uh, just a big, beautiful layout store there and a ton of options. So go check it out. In-crowd, sign up. They'll send you some cool stuff. They'll like, hey, we got we got this this cool bourbon or we got this kind of cool new drink or we're trying this or they'll follow them on the socials as well. They're showing you how to make cocktails all the time over there on the gram. So go check them out. Sinkers beverages, bluegrass as well. Kingston group, buildkg.com. You guys, I don't even know what to say anymore about Kingston group. Like they're the, they're just the best. Like they're just the best at what they do. And if you need to have something done with your house, use this, the people that do it the best. I don't know what else you want me to say. It's like they're, they have coach dad running the ship over there. Because it's all about communication, and it's all about honesty, and about trust and transparency, and they they start nose to tail, and they'll take care of you, and it's you'll you'll see everything in the budget, and you'll know exactly what what what's coming. So, Co- Coach Dad is infiltrating the Kingston Group as well, which will not which will not make the uh, the guy who runs it, who's a Vandy fan, <laughs> maybe maybe won't make him very happy, but. Go check out the Kingston Group and uh, go check out Sinker's Beverages for sure. Well, and Bluegrass, by the way. Speaking of Coach Dad and nicknames, uh, apparently Paul Kaharski's been texting with DeAndre Hopkins, and he just put this out on a tweet. Uh, he said, texted briefly with Titans DeAndre Hopkins. The team, quote, the team is just amazing all around. Great guys, great coach, great staff, end quote. Asked about the influence of Tim Kelly, his OC in Houston in 2019, who's with Tennessee now. Quote, a lot. Great guy. Write that. Pretty Boy Kelly, that's his new name. PB, because <laughs> we're going to call him PBK. Pretty, Pretty Boy, Boy Kelly. Kelly, that's PBK. his new name. Okay, all right. Well, we can we can discuss. Uh, if Stoney is still watching, a, he's a big you know t shirt design guy. So we got Coach Dad for you, Stoney. Pretty Boy if, Kelly. We got a Heartbreak Kid slash Pretty Boy Kelly PBK kind of the shirt design that you need to be. I, I think you. I, I think it needs to say. Or how about what about this, Coach Pretty Boy? 
No, I, I like Pretty Boy like Kelly. I because okay. I like because okay. you could do Machine Gun Kelly if you wanted to. Like, but you design. need. I think. I think you need to write it out though. I think it needs to yeah, say you pretty can write boy it out. You could, do, yeah. you could do PBK, write it out. It's you know the heartbreak. Listen, WWE knows how to merchandise shirts, so <laughs> okay. you could, right. you could steal some designs from them, but then you can also steal designs from like the Machine Gun Kelly. So you got Pretty Boy Kelly, Heartbreak okay. Kid, HBK, okay. PBK. You got all kinds of different stuff. Right, lots of lots of lots of options there, Stoney. So get options. to work. Get to work. Uh, Coach Dad, uh, Joe, would be a good one. Joe now. Milton, Coach Dad, Joe Milton. Yeah. He, so. Joe, Joe, obviously, um, you know, th this is a huge year for him. Uh, there, there's a lot on the line, not just Tennessee's win loss record, but his financial future. Like if he has a great season, answer some of the questions about his, you know, what he's going to do. He, he can make a fortune as a first round draft pick, um, because of his skill and his size and his arm and, and just all the things. Um, I, I think what's interesting is he, he talked a lot about, and I actually spoke to Hendon Hooker. And if you listen to our interview, he talks about Joe sort of, um, you know, learning how to cook and playing the drums and like just he has this he has a lot of interest and he's just been through a lot personally and so um he was asked about some of that some of that that growth and the maturity the first the first question that was asked of him here in this clip was about comparing himself to some of the other great quarterbacks around the country and then he goes on to talk about his personal journey and growth and some of the players that helped him through it so here was uh, joe milton on thursday from sec media days um, those guys are great, you know, those guys play great football and they are at great uh, prestigious programs, but um, I don't compare myself to no one. Um, I'm kind of just focused on what's ahead. Um, that's the first game against Virginia and, you know, willing to take the team to uh, a victory. So, you know, just focusing on that and get my guys around the building uh, just more confidence in themselves and just willing to build that bond and keep building that bond with my guys. Joe, so. you talk about the, the complacency yeah well i mean i think that's just as you get older as a man um i was 19 to 20 at michigan right and now i'm 23 so you know as a man you see the mistakes you made in your previous life and you just want to fix them so those things that i made in my life and i just wanted to fix so i fixed them I mean, it was hard um, just because I didn't know no one here. Um, I didn't know anyone and I didn't have no one like to lean on um, until I met Hendon and Tyler Barron and Wesley Walker. Um, after I met them, you know, I was fine uh, personally just because I can, the things I was facing, I can get off my chest. Um, and also Hendon went through the same things I went through um, before. So just being able to translate and talk about the problems we face, um, it's great. Uh, there you go, Joe Milton. Uh, clearly very mature, man. Um, and and uh, with, with, age. with perspective, yeah, 23 years old and, and acts his age, has perspective, has been through a lot in his career. And I think, again, I think this offense is, is has a very high floor. You're guaranteed 35, 38, 42 points. And, and I think Joe Milton is going to be one of the most statistically productive quarterbacks, if not the most statistically productive quarterback in the SEC this year. The, the question is on the road against Bama, at home against Georgia, at home against A&M, on the road against Kentucky, critical third and seven, third and eight, third and long situations, fourth quarter. Does he make the big throw or not like Hendon Hooker did? And that's all. That's all there is to it. We just got to wait and find out and see what happens because that could be the difference in 10 wins or eight and – Another huge upset, maybe beat Georgia. Like who knows? But but you got to make the plays. You got to make the throws in the fourth quarter. They've got the receivers. They've got the system. So it's going to come down to to Joe.
Yeah, I mean, this whole season for the University of Tennessee, more than any season really, really comes down to the quarterback, right? Like, you know, with Josh Dobbs, you always had a couple of players around him. You had a couple of defenders and stuff like that. And he was good, but he wasn't great. But you could have done more if if the, the right. team around him would have been good. And with Hinden Hooker, I mean, he was the offense. He He stepped up in big games and, you know, he was there. He was the heart and soul of the team. And it seems like that's what's going to be asked of Joe Milton. It's going to be he's going to be asked to fill the void of not only the quarterback play on the field, but the leader in the locker room, the guy that everybody yes. looks to, the guy that elevates the team and brings the team up if they start falling behind and keeps the team motivated. Yes, I completely agree. And I think because there's a, a more of a family oriented sort of like, again, the culture, I think is pretty strong. I think it allows for to help with that process. I do think because they have excellent receivers replacing two NFL picks in Tillman and Hyatt, I think they're going to be fine there. Darnell Wright was a pretty good player at left tackle, yeah. so they're going to have to replace him. Uh, the defensive depth is still we got to figure that out. We don't we don't know. I think it's I think it's pretty solid, but is it elite? Is it great? I, I don't know yet. So it just there's a lot to like about this team. I think they are. If you ask me, of all the teams in the middle, who's going to be the best? I would say Texas A&M in the West and Tennessee in the East with Kentucky and Ole Miss, like one not one slight notch behind them. So I would pick Tennessee second. That's what I put on my ballot. I would pick A&M third in the West. That's what I put on my ballot. I think those are the two best teams of that, that group with, with Ole Miss and Kentucky as my next two favorites uh, in terms of like who's going to move up. So again, I think Tennessee at Kentucky is going to decide who finishes second in the East. That game is, is going to be utterly fascinating. And it's been a two years ago. It was one of the best football games ever played. <laughs> it was like, it was like 45, 41 in Lexington, Tennessee won that game. Thrilling game, huge pick six by the defense. Will Levis played elite football in that game. Uh, that was a great game. I think we're going to see another one of those this year. And that probably decides nine wins second place in the East. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. It's going to be interesting. going to be interesting time in the SEC. Yep. And we we talked about it, but we kind of alluded to it. But, you know, Eli Cox, who got asked about 15,000 questions about someone that's not Eli Cox, uh, <laughs> ended up today talking about uh, Will Levis. Or I guess it was yesterday, right? It yeah, was, it, was, it, it was yesterday. And so were the other guys, too, by the way. J.J. Weaver was here. Uh, line middle linebacker is the second team all all conference player for Kentucky. He was asked about it as well, uh, but Eli was the offensive lineman, right? So offensive lineman was was very close with the quarterback, and he he was asked about being injured. Uh, I asked him about what like why was he a great teammate? Eli said, "Hey, he was a great teammate." I wanted to know why. Like, tell me more about why Will Levis was a great teammate. So Eli Cox, uh, offensive lineman for the Kentucky Wildcats, all conference caliber player. Here was uh, a couple of questions about new Titans quarterback Will Levis. I'm really excited for Will. You know, he's been a great, he was a great teammate for two years and a really good buddy of mine. And so just to see him move on to the next level and a new challenge for him, it's really exciting. I think the Titans is a great place for him that's got a great culture of winning and a very similar system to kind of what we ran in the past with Will in, at Kentucky. So I think there'll be a smooth adjustment for him. And I'm really excited to see him get to work. I think it was tough. I mean, just knowing how the type of player he is, he was just a really pretty tough leader. And I think there was always a lot more that went on that even the players who around him even knew about. And just the pressure that was on him last year after 2021 and all the accolades and just the, the media hype around him and then playing through those injuries. It was, it, he really battled all year long. 
you said he was a great teammate. Can you go into more detail as to why that, what the things that he did that made him a great teammate? Yeah, I just think um, he really cared about the guys, and you know, like especially for us offensive linemen, he his nil network was a little different just being a quarterback. So he he always the two years he was here took the offensive line out to eat at Malone's in Lexington every Sunday after the game, and he just always made sure to take care of everybody on the team and just really was just a good teammate and a friend. There you have it. I'd like to hear your reaction to all that stuff because I don't think any of that's revolutionary. I don't think any of it's brand yeah, new. That, well, that's exactly what I was going to say. Well, but not surprised. I mean, this is everything that we've heard outside of that Tim Kelly's offense is anything like the Liam Cohen offense. Well, you know, college offensive lineman. What are you going to do? Um, but I think all of that's like sort of confirmation. Like the little anecdotes about taking him out for dinner, you know, like those kind of things are just it, it's little anecdotes that sort of prove the the things that we already think we know, right? Uh, I, I think, and one of the things that that we talked about with with Mel Kiper, I think we played the clip on a show uh, after he was drafted. That, that part of the reason Mel still graded him so highly was because of the injury to the foot and how it limited him. And and he and even there, he like Hawk says, he was even dealing with more stuff than we even knew he was dealing with. So if the players in the locker room didn't know he was dealing with it. Then how could the rest of us have known whatever he was dealing with? So I think there is, I think there is a, is a little bit of insight there. But it's all the same stuff that we it all kind of lines up with the same stuff we knew. It doesn't mean he's going to be a great NFL player. We still got to see it on, on the field. So, yeah, you, you got to see the stuff that translates. But like like we both have said, it's it, he's not going to fail because of his attitude, his work ethic or his personality. He's only going to fail because of his physical ability to throw a football into a tight window <laughs> right. over a defender and have some touch on his throws and stuff like that, yep. which. You know, he's working on, you yep. know, we'll we'll see it happen maybe in preseason or something like that, see how much progress he made. But, you know, this training camp is very important, and we'll talk about training camp on Monday. But, you know, I think this, like you said, it's just more confirmation that the mayonnaise-eating right. guy is not who he is and who he's never been, and that was just a one-time, one-off thing. And he, there's a lot more to him, a lot more depth to him than most quarterbacks to come in as a rookie, it sounds like. It sounds like there's a lot of depth of generosity, depth of leadership that some quarterbacks tend to struggle with. No, I, I agree. And I think, again, toughness, physicality, leadership, mental acumen, I think that's all stuff that we kind of felt like we knew. I agree with you. It's going to be like, does he know how to keep hold the safety with his right eye for an extra half second and then hit the, the post smash corner route into a 18 inch window? You know, like my wife was watching the, the quarterback documentary and, and there's one scene in that documentary where I'm pretty sure it's, it's cousins and Kevin O'Connell and right at the snap of the ball, O'Connell's like Jefferson, Jefferson, Jefferson. Like he could see that Jefferson was going to be open and he's like, hit him, hit him, hit him. And like, when he sees that, Jefferson is still like five yards underneath the two defensive backs. And then he gets open by a half a yard. And Kevin O'Connell saw that in real time as it unfolds. And my wife's like, was he open? <laughs> and I was like, that's NFL open. Like, that's what that's what it is in the NFL. And that's what you're talking about with Will Levis. He's going to have to yeah. hit those. He's going to have to hit those windows. And that's it. Like that. We don't know if he can do that. It's just, it's no different with any of these guys in the SEC. Spencer Rattler. Whoever Alabama is going to play, Carson Beck at Georgia, Connor Wigman at AM, Joe Milton, it doesn't matter. It's can you hit the open guy when you have to? And 
you know, that's 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 why they make the that's why they make the big NIL money, according to Eli Cox. His yeah. Eli, his NIL network was a little different than the offensive lineman. I like that. I like right. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was just, you know, it was it's nice to see that I guess if above all things that he's at least gonna be an easy guy to root for. Yeah, I think so. So I, I think it's better. It's it way may, better than the, the mayonnaise thing for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So okay. Um, well, do you want to talk about uh, the Titans bringing in a potential offensive lineman? So this is a yeah. name that you mentioned on the show. Sacred well, Beverages be Pixie Group. Also, everybody's fucking mentioned this name. <laughs> I don't listen because to anybody I, else though. I only listen to you. That's true. I mean, uh, <laughs> but I mean, really, Mike was the first one to put it out there in a in a tweet fair, back in fair. June. Uh, and we, I think we talked about on football and other F words. I brought it up on football and other F words, but he didn't really want to. He kind of heard that this was happening, so he didn't want to jinx it or, uh, okay, or anything out okay. there back in June. But I kind of threw it in there in an episode, and then I've kind of talked about it since. But everybody has talked about because I, you know, the yeah. you know yeah. when news like this breaks, most people will want to toot their own horn, and they're like, you know, I'll, I'll call them out because they're all in part of the network. But Music See Audible, you know, so we've been talking about George Fent for the last week and here or last month, and here <laughs> it is, yeah. Everybody's been talking about George Fan. There hasn't been a, a, a Titans show, the Titans media guy that has not promoted the team signing George Fan. I, I only listen to the 440 Sports Network yeah. probably media. I only listen to them. So I, I've heard Mike Herndon and the Audible, and you say it. So that's all I care yeah. about. But I will say this: the I'm just glad the Titans aren't content. Now that's that's I agree with that. There there is. I mean, I guess if you bring in George Fan, then like Mike said that he can be a swing tackle. Cause I kind of thought that they would kind of wait to sign a player to see maybe who steps up at camp if anybody does. But it looks like to me and the way that Jordan Schultz put it was basically if everything goes well at the workout, they expect to sign him. Like it's pretty much foregone conclusion they're gonna sign him, you know, Sunday, Monday, maybe even Saturday when he works out. And I like that they're not content because if, if this was John Robinson, and this is a line from uh, the Count No Flags film on Twitter, he would be he, he sees Nicholas Petit Pereira gets suspended for six games, and he's going to go sign a sixth defensive back that is just got cut by another next. <laughs> Robinson would do. Luckily, Rand Carthon is actually literally looking at the knees, looking at the roster, and not waiting around to make a move. For specific players when they are available, I, I think that's was my first thought when I saw the story. Was I'm glad, and same thing with DeAndre Hopkins for that matter. Like I'm glad that the things that seem obvious are obvious inside the building as well. Like that that was kind of all we. I think all you can ask for is, look, we clearly feel like this is a problem, especially now with MPF being out for six games. Are you going to do anything about it? And it, it, who knows if it works? Who knows if he's good? Who knows if he's you know who knows, but like the idea that they acknowledge that it that, that they need more, that something needs to be done if they want to, because now they're with with Hopkins, they have to try to win the division. Like that, that's what they're doing is trying to win the division. They're not doing this rebuild thing on the fly. They're going to try to win the division. So put in the effort. <laughs> Someone's been trying to tell you guys they're not doing a rebuild, but nobody. No, wants no, to no. I, I never said. I never said they. I've said they're trying to do it on the fly. Yeah. Which gives them, which gives them a luxury, which they still because, technically are, which they are, yeah, doing stuff behind the scenes to to make sure that they have youth in the building for future teams. Could I could I just argue that the NFL is just 
unless you have a Hall of Fame starting quarterback for 12 years, like that every single NFL team is rebuilding every year. That's like, pretty it's, much right. I mean, because we, we, that's, I think I guess I talked about it on this show, but I was looking at all the, yeah, we, we talked about it uh, when we were going through the AFC South and I'm looking at depth charts and I'm like, every team, when you go and look at a team's depth chart outside of the first, like starting 22, Every every team sucks outside of a few, uh, outside of a few, right? Like, right, right. like the Kansas City Chiefs offense is always going to look good because Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback, and the Eagles are always going to have a deep rotation of offensive linemen because that's they have some of the best offensive yeah. line coaches yeah. in the game. Yep, that's just how it is. But if every team has crappy offensive line depth, and now with the addition of George Fant who is a an a above replacement level player like an above average replacement level player like he's not a Kendall Lamb or a could he Bobby keep Hart. his job could he keep yeah. his job if he keep like all 17 games I, I would be it depends on how much shit NPF is it's, okay. I I think it's a it, he's how mad are the Titans that NPF got suspended how mad are the Titans mm. that NPF did not listen to the rules? Because mm. that is a big thing with Mike Vrabel and has always been is don't do stupid shit that hurts the team. Yeah. And he did stupid shit that hurt the team. So if he's in the doghouse for a season, it's not I don't think it's because that he stinks. I think it's a mixture of George Fant was really, really good, has not allowed a single sack or single pressure or whatever, right. yep. which is not going to happen, by the way, because George Fant it, it does allow sacks at a high rate the last year, but he was kind of struggling through with injury. But And a combination of that and the fact that they're just really pissed off at him. Like he is in deep yeah. in that doghouse. Yeah, and no, I, I agree with all that. Um, by the way, I think I'm gonna take the webcam like off my computer and show y'all this hallway for in just a second, um, just so everybody can see it. But um, no, I, I agree. I think if he keeps his job for all 17 games, that's a hell of a place to be. That means he's good enough to keep it. So it'll be interesting to. to, to here, here's what I, I'm not sure I'm ready for this. We got what, uh, Tuesday press conference. Yes. Practice starts next week. It's here, Practice folks. Saturday for the rookies. It, it's here, folks. We got SEC Media Days done, out of the way. Talking season's underway. NFL Titans camp starts next week. Sinkers Beverages, Kingston Group. It's here. It's here. I'll say this about George Fan is like, it's kind of good because what if Andre Dillard stinks, right? So what if Andre Dillard's struggling and then, okay, NPF comes back at game six. You can bench Andre Dillard, put in George Fant over on the left tackle. Yeah, exactly. What, that's, that's what, what this does, though, is hopefully let, let's let's wish this into existence. They do sign George Fant, by the way. I, I really do think it's like a 90% chance that they're going to sign George Fant. But what I like about it is that essentially your entire four players that have already been practicing with each other get to stay in their normal spots. Aaron Brewer stays in his D Daniel Brunskill stays in his they, know, Aaron left, Brewer, left guard. Yeah. All those guys get to stay in their spots. And then it's just one guy having to adjust to the rest of them. Not a bunch of different, not a bunch of the same guys adjusting to yep. a new spot. Yep. Exactly. Move as few pieces as possible. Uh, that's the way to do it. Um, you got Brewer and Brunskill and and uh, Skaronsky. Leave them there. Don't mess with them. And um, it gives you someone because MPF can't practice, right? So MPF is suspended, can't be inside the building, can't practice. This get, George Fant gives someone. Are you like, sure about that? 
I think Pretty he can sure? practice every. I think he can practice every day in camp. So is it, to, so the suspension only goes into effect when it actually. I think I think he I think they said in the press release that he's he can practice every. He's he's gonna Except practice for when at, the season starts. I guess I think once the season starts in. and he's and then the suspension actually starts, I think that's when he has to sit out. But we can well, I mean, we but do you want him that. practicing? Like, how many reps I mean, do you give him over the guys that are going to be available? For that's a that's a tricky situation. Uh, that I think it deep of the doghouse he is i think it's easy to put him on the second team at left tackle or right tackle and just say play second team and then that way you get reps for the guy who's going to play but he still gets reps too i think it's maybe actually pretty easy. maybe he's more of a third team guy you think I, either way you can you get him regular reps gotcha. just not with the starting unit and then maybe you mix him in with the starting unit because you know he's coming back potentially so it, again if it's if it's somebody not if it's george fant then you feel comfortable putting george in there to start and, and be the with run with the ones in practice if it's going to be Jalen Duncan or somebody else, you may want to leave NPF in there. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, I just, I do like I the know. idea that, you know, there's hopefully going to be a veteran that can yep. help push yep. these, these younger guys that are in the hunt to want to be a right tackle. Yep. All right. Do you want me to, do you want to see this? Yeah. You want to see this? See how, see how sick this makes everybody feel. Here we go. There's my cord too. There it is. There's some balls players right there. There you go. Nice. <laughs> yep, yep. There you go. Balls players over there. Joe Milton, Mari Thomas, and uh, yep. There you go. There you there have you it. Go. That's this is the glamorous radio. This is a glamorous glamour, radio row. Here. Yeah, radio row, pod row, pod, pod row. There's a. It's a. I will say this. It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, the, this this is a nice hotel, by the way. I've not I have not been in here yet. Um, Grand Hyatt. It's amazing. Every single setup on Radio Row is now videotaped. Every single one. Oh yeah. Every every single booth has cameras. It's it's all the it's the way to go. People want to see us make fun of each other and yell at each other, and they want to tell us we're idiots to our faces, and then watch our faces react. Right. So, yeah. There you go. Live stream like everything. Uh, Sinkers Beverages, Kingston Group, StackingTheInbox.com, Football and Other F Words. Broadway Sports Media, all the other shows from 440 Sports. Uh, great interview with Scott Ramsey about the future of the Titan Stadium, as well as uh, college football playoff games coming to town. That's going to be out on Friday, so make sure you check that out. Gold Standard Predators out today, of course, on Thursday. Um, all kinds of stuff on Fringe Element, our SEC podcast, and on the YouTube page as well if you want to see the players. I had interviews with Andy Staples, Ben Portnoy, Jason Swain, um, you name it, Cole Kubelik. We talked to, you know, I don't know, probably half a dozen, maybe more dozen people. So go check out all those other shows. Otherwise, uh, thanks for listening, guys. Um, I appreciate it. Zach, good work, my man. Um, thanks for being flexible today. Thank you guys for showing up uh, in the live chat. Do appreciate it. Tim, Stoney, D. Good, Jason, all you guys, uh, we do appreciate it. Rate, review, and subscribe. Share the show from SEC Media Days 2023. That is a wrap. We'll talk to you next week.